Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible, open it with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Today we're going to be talking about the the birth announcement of Jesus. And uh, it's an amazing story. We've started this series called The Lyrics of Christmas a couple of weeks ago, looking at the songs uh, that were sung around the birth of Jesus. And, And we've looked at Mary's song, Zachariah's song. Today we're going to look at the song of the angels where they announce the birth of Jesus as he has come. Birth announcements are an interesting thing, aren't they? Like back in Bible times, people would announce the birth of a child. They would hire what's called a herald, uh, someone who would come and, and, and proclaim the birth, especially if it was a firstborn son. That was a big deal. And then in olden days, I don't know how maybe some of you announced, maybe newspaper or pigeon, something. I don't, I don't know how, how you announce. Um, today, we announce via social media, don't we? That's how a lot of people announce the birth of a child. But what's interesting is our society and our culture has uh, established something that comes before the birth announcement, and it's an announcement of the gender of the baby, right? These gender parties, have you seen them? On social media, yeah, of course you have. So, in case you're in case you're unfamiliar, right? There's a, there's a family that will get together, family and friends, and they come together to learn what what it is, a boy or a girl. How many of you um, lived before they were able to tell, and you went to the hospital and were just surprised, right? Just whatever you get. Well, now uh, now you can know and throw a party with cupcakes and powder, uh, pink or blue powder, those, those kind of things. Um, but these gender reveal parties have gotten just over the top, right? We never did one. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have the pressure of having to plan one of these because they're just, they're over the top. I saw one yesterday online, I was on Instagram, and, and probably the, the most over the top one that I've seen. This family uh, was there, they were all gathered, and then two helicopters fly by, and these helicopters, I'm not making this up, not one word, all right? This is all true. Uh, two helicopters fly by and they're hanging banners below them that say, that say, we're pregnant, the first one did. The second one said, the baby is due on this date, and they said, and it's a dot, 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 and they fly by, and then I kid you not, over the hill, an F-16 fighter jet coming, just pouring out pink powder all over the place to announce we're having a girl, right? So these gender reveal things, have, <laughs> they've gotten out of hand, right? And, and then what's interesting is I've noticed is young couples, um, they'll go over the top with these gender reveals, and then the baby actually comes, and they like try and downplay it or something. They'll, they'll make a post like, hey, surprise, Three weeks ago, little Johnny was born, but we didn't want the attention and needed some privacy. And it's like, what about the jet? Didn't you have a jet, you know? And so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting old and just don't understand it. I don't know. Um, we announced our firstborn on a billboard. And I've got a picture of it uh, for you. I didn't plan this or pay for it or anything like that. I'm way too cheap to do that. But uh, whenever our firstborn, Adley, was, was born, uh, I tweeted a picture of her and the billboard company in town saw it and said, hey, we're running a new campaign called New Faces in Town. We would love to put her on there. And so I thought, that's pretty cool. And so everybody driving down I-35 in Oklahoma City that day got to know that we had 
a child, right? So birth announcements. Today we're gonna talk about the birth announcement of Jesus. It's the greatest birth announcement of all time. It wasn't delivered through social media though. It was declared in the heavens. So in Luke chapter two, you know the story of Jesus's birth, Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem because there's a census that needs to be taken. Caesar Augustus has, has declared or decreed that everybody has to go back to the, 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 the dad's hometown to be registered. So Mary and Joseph, they go. Uh, Mary is on the verge of, of she, you know, she's about to pop, basically. They get to Bethlehem. It comes time for her to have the child. Uh, they don't have the connections. They don't have the social status to be able to get a room. So baby Jesus, the savior of the world, God in the flesh, is born in a barn, right? And then the announcement comes and it's an announcement again, not on social media, but it's a, it's a cosmic billboard, if you will, across the sky, the angels announcing the birth of Jesus. And it's an amazing passage. I've been blown away by it this week. I can't wait to talk about it with you. But before we read it, I'd love for us to pray together and ask the Lord if he would speak to us. I'll pray for all of us. And I want you to pray for yourself right now that the Lord would speak to you in this time. Let's all pray together. God, we, um, we, we thank you, God, for a time to come together as a church family and worship you. God, thank you for the Christmas season and all that it means for us. Lord, would you help us now as we open your word and we see this amazing message that was given by these angels to these random shepherds in a field. Would you help us this morning to see what it is that you have for us right here, right now, today, how it applies to our life. Lord, we need you to speak. Nobody came here to hear me. We need to hear a word from you, from your spirit, and from your word. So would you speak loudly and clearly and help us to respond appropriately? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 8. Again, this is right after the birth of Jesus. You see that in verses 1 through 7. Verse 8 is the announcement. It says, in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in a field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This baby... Uh, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. So we're gonna look at that song that these angels sing, verse 14, but first let's kind of set the scene. First you see the angel's arrival in verses eight and nine. Like picture this scene if you can. It's dark, it says, it, it says it's nighttime. They were, they were keeping watch at night over their flock. What shepherds would do in this time is they lived outside of society. They lived out in the fields. And so they would be with their sheep constantly. The sheep were their livelihood. Couldn't lose one, right? And so what they would do is that at night, they would build kind of these makeshift pens as they're just wandering from pasture to pasture, finding food and, and the things that the sheep need. At night, they would build these pens and then the shepherd would lay across the entrance of the pen as if to say, if anything's gonna get in here and get one of these sheep, they're gonna have to come across me first, all right? And so the shepherd would lay across there to protect the sheep, but you have to imagine at night, they're sleeping with one eye open. 
right? Any, any leaves that are rustling, any twig that breaks, anything like that, like it's gonna have their full attention. They're gonna be ready to jump up and protect their livelihood. Plus, if we could just be honest, it's scary at night, right? You're more jumpy at night. I don't care how manly and tough you think you are, you go outside at night, you're looking behind you a little bit, aren't you? I do that. So this angel scare, uh, shows up and scares them to death. Have you ever had a moment um, where everything is quiet and then suddenly everything is very loud? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things to do is I love to uh, scare my wife around the house. And I love just hiding somewhere and just jumping out at just the right moment and getting the reaction. Fellas, if you're not doing this to your wife, like she'll love it. You need to start, she'll, she'll love it. And so, <laughs> some of you are like, no, don't do that, I'll kill you. Um, so, but I love it, I love to scare her. So one night, I got her really good. We were, um, she was at a small group hanging out with a bunch of the ladies from our small group and she had stayed out really late. And uh, the kids were in bed, the house, um, I was in our bedroom just watching a ball game on the TV in bed. So the house was dark. It looked like everyone was asleep. And so I'm laying there watching this ball game and I get the notification on Life360 uh, that she's home. And so I decide I'm gonna act like I'm asleep. And so I turn off the TV, everything's dark and quiet in the house. She comes into the house, she's being so sweet and kind and she's trying not to wake anybody up. And she sneaks into our room and she goes into the bathroom and she makes sure to close the door before she turns on the light because she doesn't wanna wake me up. She's being really sweet, you know. And so I'm just waiting. I'm just, I'm just giddy, you know, I'm just excited for what's about to happen. So she's in there, she's brushing her teeth, she's getting ready for bed and all that. And then she, does it, she turns off the light in the bathroom before she opens the door to our bedroom and she comes in real quietly and sweetly and she climbs in bed without trying to disturb me, you know. I'm just waiting for the perfect, perfect moment, right? I give her about three seconds and then just as loudly as I can, I say, what are you doing? And she jumped out of the bed and said, what is wrong with you? That's always her response, right? I just love it. It's the best. It's the absolute best. But it just scared the life out of her. And I have to think that's kind of what happened to these brothers here, these shepherds, right? It's the middle of the night and then suddenly it's not anymore. And not just because of the noise, but it says that the glory or the splendor of God was shining all around. So it's bright. This is an entrance because they have an announcement that they're gonna make. Then we see the angel's message in verses 10 through 12. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, hey, don't be afraid. I have to imagine the angel kind of laugh. Like they, they always get afraid whenever we show up. Don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's an important line, all the people. Now you gotta understand who these angels are talking to. They're talking to shepherds. And the fact that the angels show up first to shepherds honestly is, is shocking. See, shepherds at this day and time were seen as the lowest of low socially. The only people lower are lepers people who are cast out of the city and have to wear a bell around their neck shouting unclean. The shepherds are just one step above them, socially speaking. They were seen as dirty. They were seen as thieves, people who would just rob 
rob sheep from other people's pens and take them. They were seen as people who just, they weren't even allowed in the temple, in fact, because they were seen as dirty and unclean. So they can't even go in the temple, couldn't make sacrifices, couldn't worship the Lord, they couldn't be right with him. This is what one ancient philosopher around this time says um, in his writing that that, uh, people have found. It says this, there is no more disreputable an occupation than that of a shepherd. They cannot be trusted, They are brute, thieving, deplorable men who prefer the company of animals and other men than they do community life. So that lets you know what they thought of shepherds, right? That they were seen as wicked, dirty, and outcast. Yet, and this is is the crazy part of of this story. Moments after Jesus' birth, the angel comes out to the field to meet these outcasts. The angel didn't go to like Caesar. He didn't go to the high priest. He didn't even go to like the most influential businessman or woman in town or the people that have status or money or anything like that. The angel goes out to those who cannot come to God. I want you to picture the angel's excitement. They'd been just waiting for the moment that, that had been talked about and promised when, when the Savior was gonna enter into the world. I like to picture that these angels are just kind of watching with anticipation over the rails of heaven. And finally, the day comes where Jesus, the one who spoke everything into existence, the creator and sustainer of all things, is born as a baby in a barn and placed in a dirty manger. And God looks at him and says, all right, it's time. Go make the announcement. Go, go make the announcement. And they show up to a bunch of outcasts and thieves? Yeah, and and that's what makes this news so good. Because if if this news is for them, then it's for everyone. So maybe, maybe you feel down and out this morning. Maybe you feel undesirable. Maybe you feel like the one who um, is always picked last for the team. Maybe that's how you feel. And if so, this news is for you. It's good news of great joy. See, here's the thing. We should all read this and see ourselves on equal ground with the shepherds. All of us. We line up here with, with the shepherds. The problem is, is we don't think we're that bad, do we? Like we like to play this comparison type game and, and everybody kind of thinks that they're a good person Uh, because you can always look out and find somebody that you're slightly better than, right? We do this, we do it all the time. Picture it this way, if if it was just me and my son Dax, who's eight years old, we're in a room together, and you, you began to ask us about all these different categories of things, I would beat him in every single category. I'm stronger than he is, I'm faster than he is. I'm more powerful than he is, at least for a little while longer. I have more money than he has. Have more education. Like in every single category, I'll beat him. Give me a basketball, I'll dunk on him. On his little eight foot goal, (laughs) right? I'll dunk on him, he can't stop me. You wanna talk about education? You wanna look at his second grade education compared to the degrees I have hanging on my wall? You wanna look at my bank account compared to his little piggy bank? The dude's broke. Right? He's he's broke. He's got nothing. Do you want to do a push-up contest? I've got him there too. No problem. If it's just the two of us in the room, I beat him in every single category. 
every single one. But now I want you to imagine that that door to the room opens and a guy named LeBron James walks in. (laughs) The king, the king is now here. Suddenly I realize my place, don't I? I'm not the strongest anymore. I'm not the fastest, I'm not the most powerful, I'm not the wealthiest in the room anymore. And listen, that's why the comparison game is bad for you. That's why it's bad for you because there's always gonna be somebody who's better than you. And every single person, whenever, the, whenever God, the King of Kings steps into the room, there's not a person on earth who can stand up and match him. Every bit of our swagger, our confidence, our self-justification, all of it melts in the light of his glory. The truth is, is this, you are broken, you are sinful, you are an outcast, you are cut off from God, you're undeserving of his love. That's why this angel's message is such good news. It's great news. Look at his message in verse 11. It says, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. I don't like to get into like ranking Bible verses and stuff, but this one's gotta be like one of the top as far as power. Every single word of this verse packs a punch, doesn't it? Like, let's walk through it. And if you take notes or underline or circle things, like, man, this is one to do those things too. Every single word, let's look at it. It says first, today. This means a real day in history when when all of this took place. It's not a metaphorical day. It's not a figurative day. This is the actual day that Jesus was, was born. All of scripture to this point had looked forward to this day. Again, just imagine the angel's excitement whenever they're sitting there going, the day has finally come. Like it's, it's today. And then he says in the city of David, this is the real city of Bethlehem. We know that from verse four, it makes it very clear for us. Bethlehem is a real, real city. You could fly there today. It would take you about 17 hours to get there. It's a real city where Joseph and Mary had to go because a real guy named Caesar Augustus issued a decree saying everybody has to go back to their hometown to be registered. And that's where Joseph was from. It was from his hometown. And so all of these factors just worked together perfectly where Mary was about to give birth. Joseph had to go back to Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus, this non-believing ruler guy issues a decree that everybody has to do this. And all of it just orchestrated perfectly to align with something God had said years before in Micah chapter five, verse two, that says this, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. You're insignificant. There's not a lot that comes from you, but one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. This is saying that, that from, from the beginning of time, there's one that's coming who's always existed, who's gonna be born in Bethlehem, and he's gonna be the ruler of it all, the city of David. And the angels are saying, hey, it's today. And he goes on, today in the city of David, a savior. A savior. This means one who saves. One who saves from what? Well, we know in Genesis chapter three that sin entered the world. Your small groups are talking about that this morning, that sin entered the world in Genesis chapter three after God created everything perfectly. Sin comes in, wrecks everything. And from that moment, we see that God already had a plan to save people from this sin problem. 
Genesis chapter three, verse 15 is one of the biggest verses in the Bible, I think. Whenever God is, is talking about the consequences for sin and he looks at the serpent and he says, I'm gonna put enmity or I'm gonna put combat between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Meaning that there's always gonna be a struggle between mankind and sin. And you and I feel that today, don't we? But then it gets very specific and, and, and Genesis three fifteen says, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. That's talking about the day that Jesus is on the cross and Satan bruises his heel. He, gets a, he puts a hurting on Jesus on the cross, but in that moment, through his death, Jesus flat crushes the head of Satan. He is the promised savior from Genesis chapter three and all the way throughout scripture. Essentially, the angels are saying, the one who crushes the serpent is now here. He's come to save. Today, in the city of David, a savior is born for you. It's born for you. Shepherds, you and me. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, the single, the married, the powerful, the not so powerful, everyone is who that's talking about. Doesn't matter who you are or what your past looks like. This savior has come for you. He loves you specifically. Like, don't miss that. I know that you hear that all the time, that yeah, God loves you. Hey, he does. Specifically you, pursues you. He sends an angel from heaven to make sure that you know that he's really for you. Today, in the city of David, a savior is born for you, and he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah, he's the, he's the promised deliverer that all of scripture in the Old Testament is talking about, the anointed one. Maybe your Bible says the Christ right there. I need you to know that Christ is not Jesus's last name. <laughs> Christ is the Greek word, it comes, it's Christos, and it means anointed one. Christ is the Greek version of the Old Testament word Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, the one who's come to deliver his people, the one who has promised for centuries before he showed up. He is the promised one. That's who he is. And then the angel goes a little bit further and says, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. This is a reference to the Hebrew name for God used all throughout the Old Testament, Yahweh. Again, you see it literally, first page the Lord created, right? That is Yahweh, that is his, his name. And so now the angel doesn't just look back at some prophecy, now he's saying this one that just was born is God in the flesh. This is a massive verse. That's a massive sentence that, that the angel just, just declared. And I wanna say, don't ever get over that sentence. Like that's the whole reason for Christmas. It's the reason why we're in this building every single week. It's the reason why we live and breathe. And that sentence alone should draw out a response of worship from us. And that's what you see next. You see the angel's song, and it's a song of worship. It says that suddenly thousands upon thousands of angels are singing. It says suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Literally, that means the army of heaven. If you wanna know what that is, look at Revelation chapter five, verse 
11, which talks about that I saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. So just picture just a sky full of angels who are now singing and declaring this song, verse 14, that says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This song declares for us the two reasons why Jesus came to this earth on Christmas. Primarily, first and foremost, above anything and everything else, Jesus came to bring glory to God. He came to bring glory to God. But secondly, he came to bring peace to people. So what does that mean? Let's look at that in reverse order. What does it mean for him to say, uh, peace on earth to people he favors? Peace on earth. Is that talking about world peace? Obviously not, right? Because we still don't have world peace. Just turn on the news. Like you, there's wars all over our world even right now this morning, right? And, and the fact is Jesus said that we're always gonna have wars around us, Mark 13, seven, that there's always gonna be wars. John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But I'm telling you this so that you'll have peace in me. That's what he says, that he has overcome the world. So it's not talking about world peace. Is it talking about peace between people? No, it's not. Now, obviously, I think you would say that a heart that is marked by the peace and love of Jesus, that's been changed by Jesus, should have peace with others. You shouldn't have enemies, right? But that's not what this is talking about. The peace mentioned here is the one that you need most, and it's peace with God. It's peace with God. The famous song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Charles Wesley, the writer, tells us clearly what this means uh, to have peace with God. The, the song goes like this. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. All right, so this is Luke 2, 14. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. And there it is. All right, that's the meaning. Peace between people and God. There was war with God. But through Jesus, now there's peace for those he favors. For those he favors. This is an important part of it. The peace is only possible for those he favors. Or maybe your translation might say those with whom he is pleased. The truth is this, that the Bible says that in our sin, you and I are enemies of God. Romans 5.10 says. That's strong language, wouldn't you agree? Enemies with, with God. And we've already established that we are sinners, that we're outcasts, and that's why Christ came. He, he came to give his life to save us, to bring peace with God. But don't miss it. This peace with God is only possible through a personal trust in the Savior. This is why Paul says, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace with God? It's through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul just said in Romans 5.1. Verse two says, we have now obtained access to God through him, through Jesus, by faith, again, into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus brings us peace with God and that leads us to worship him. That's what he says next. The angel says, glory to God in the highest heaven. Glory to God. That word glory is the Greek word uh, doxa. It's where we get doxology. 
And so you probably understand what that means, right? Doxa equals praise and adoration and worship. But glory also means splendor or brightness or holiness. So essentially glory, yes, it's talking about worship and adoration and praise, but it's also talking about the fact that, that, that glory describes God, that he is full of those things. He's full of splendor and, and glory and, and, and holiness. You could say it this way, that he is glorious. So whenever we worship, here's the picture of worship, for us to give God glory, we're not giving him something that he lacks, which is our praise and our worship and our adoration. What we're doing as we're giving glory to God is we are just confessing and acknowledging the fact that he's already full of glory, that he's full of splendor and holiness and righteousness, that he's full of brightness. And our worship is us just acknowledging that fact. You could say it this way, God is worthy of all of your glory, your praise and worship, because he is full of glory. The proper response, just as these angels do in the middle of this field to these random shepherds, the proper response to this announcement that we have peace with God is to fall on your knees in worship. One of my favorite Christmas songs is O Holy Night. And the song famously talks about these angels singing this song. And, and what does the song say? Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. So why do we worship him? Because it's through this message of good news that the life and death of this little baby who was born, sinners and outcasts and, and enemies of God like you and me can have peace with him. That's good news. The other day I asked my kids what their favorite part of Christmas is, can you guess what they said? <laughs> presents, right? Presents, we all love the presents. They asked me like, dad, what's your favorite part of Christmas? And I said, my favorite part is giving you presents and getting presents. I like to get presents too, right? There's just something about it. Christmas morning when the whole family is there and you're tearing into all the gifts and you're watching the expression on people's faces as they're opening the thing that you spent time on and you thought about them. It's a, it's a fun, fun time, right? I wanna to suggest to you that that moment, opening those Christmas presents on Christmas morning, actually teaches us perfectly this message that the angels are singing. It, very simply, it teaches us what they're saying. And so I hope maybe as you're opening Christmas presents in just a few days, that as you're watching everybody tear into things and you're opening gifts yourself, I hope that this angel song in Luke chapter two, verse 14, comes to your mind because this song is all about giving and receiving. It's all about the fact that Jesus was born to give the gift of peace with God and to receive glory and honor and praise. That's what it's all about. And so how do we respond? Well, we respond accordingly, just as you do on Christmas morning you receive this gift of peace with God and you respond by giving back worship and praise and adoration to him. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. 
We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.